Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to Our Subcity with Grace Ogunyemi. Previously, in episode three, we looked at causes of homelessness, the wider housing market, and in this episode four, today, we're looking at solutions to homelessness. Throughout the podcast, I've always said that homelessness is a complex issue, and as a result, there have been many different solutions put forward over the years to address it. As there are so many suggested solutions put forward, I couldn't analyse all of them in depth in only one episode. However, I've introduced the most relevant and I hope that discussions around solutions can continue on our social media pages. In this episode, you'll hear more of my opinions than in other episodes. You may agree or disagree, but they're all mine, even the half-baked ones. Now let's get on with episode four, solutions. In the June 2017 general election, both political parties, Labour and Conservative, made commitments to end homelessness. In April 2018, the Homelessness Reduction Act came into force. Originally adapted from a piece of Welsh legislation, it gained cross-party support. The Homelessness Reduction Act changes the way in which councils are expected to support those who are non-priority. As we mentioned in episode one, if the person was previously found non-priority, then the local council's housing department would likely just turn them away, stating that they didn't owe them a housing duty. Due to the increase in homelessness and rough sleeping, Housing was increasingly becoming an issue that could no longer be ignored. The government also faced internal criticisms as highlighted in Crisis's report. The National Audit Office commented in 2017, there was a link between the local housing allowance shortfalls and homelessness trends. In particular, how this change to the local housing allowance rates impacted on the ending of assured shorthold tenancies in the private rented market. The audit also criticised the DWP for not assessing the impact its changes to benefits would have on homelessness and pointed out that the former Department for Communities and Local Government only took a light-touch approach to dealing with councils around homelessness. Overall, the audit said it felt homelessness was now a national crisis and the government's attitude towards the issue was unacceptably complacent. I have no doubt This and the increasingly public concerns about this issue resulted in the introduction of the Homelessness Reduction Act, so let's look at that in more detail. The Homelessness Reduction Act places more duties on councils to intervene at an earlier stage to prevent homelessness in their area. It requires that they provide services to all those who are eligible 
and who present to them as homeless, not just those who are in priority need. It extends the period of time that someone is considered to be homeless from 28 days to 56 days, therefore giving councils more time to prevent them from becoming homeless. This is called the prevention duty. It also introduces the relief duty where the council was satisfied that the person is homeless and outlines what the council was meant to do to support that person. Shelter clearly defines these duties on their website. The prevention duty comes into force when the council was satisfied that the person is threatened with homelessness and is eligible for assistance. The prevention duty means that the council must take reasonable steps to help the applicant to remain in their current accommodation so it doesn't cease to become available. You'll notice helping secure doesn't mean the council needs to provide the person with accommodation. Instead, it means that the council needs to provide support and advice to the applicant who is taking responsibilities to secure their own accommodation. Basically, they're looking at ways that that applicant can stay where they currently are. So if it's a young person who's fallen out with their family, the council might look to refer them to mediation services. If it's someone who's fallen behind with their rent, the council might look to apply for discretionary housing payments or talking to their landlord. The council must produce a personal housing plan, or PHP, with the individual setting out what they would need to do and what advice and support the council will provide. Let's come back to look at the personal housing plan once we've had a look at the relief duty. The relief duty applies when the local authority is satisfied that a person is homeless and eligible for assistance and will always work in line with the individual's assessments of needs and their personal housing plan. If there's a reason to suspect the person is in priority need, then they would be offered interim accommodation while they work with the council to secure suitable accommodation. It's unlikely that the council will simply take over the search for accommodation on their own. They will expect that the applicant is also looking for their own accommodation. Due to the lack of social housing, it could well be that the applicant has to look at the private rented market. Since 2011, when councils have been found to have a duty to accommodate someone, they have been able to discharge that duty to the private rented market, rather than putting that person in limited social housing stock. The relief duty states that the council should take reasonable steps to help that applicant to secure suitable accommodation, which means the council basically has to agree steps with the applicant that could result in them getting housed. These steps will be highlighted in the individual's personal housing plan. So let's look at the idea of the personal housing plan. In the core of it, I see it as the government's push to make individuals more responsible for addressing their own housing issues with assistance of their local council. An idea I would fully support if the tools were there in which to do so. If local housing allowance rates had actually increased in line with rents or at all since 2015. If we had already addressed the issue of landlords letting agent discrimination towards those on benefits. If our benefit system was now reliable and established and well known for paying on time and being fair. And finally, if all councils were prepared for or even implementing the changes expected under the Act now. Unfortunately, this isn't the case. So whilst I agree with the clarity provided by personal housing plans, with each party being given actions, I already feel like the requirements placed on the applicant are unfair. The applicant is already starting from a position of significant disadvantage. Under a personal housing plan, the person can be found to be refusing to cooperate when they do not take a step set out in their housing plan. 
in order for that applicant to be penalised for this, their refusal must have been found to be deliberate and unreasonable. Although deliberate and unreasonable are not defined, the Act states what should be in place for someone to be penalised. Firstly, the steps identified must have been considered reasonable in the first place. The individual must have understood what was expected of them, and their lack of taking the steps required must not have been influenced by health needs. This part of the Act aims to be flexible, and investigations must take place before the person can be penalised. But I have concerns that what is considered reasonable is still just going to be influenced by a desire from the council staff just to create some steps and give lip service to the process. I have already seen steps being logged in personal housing plans that have to be undertaken, that simply have to be repeated throughout the plan. Let's get it clear now that if you are homeless, you have already likely asked everyone, friends and family, if you can stay with them before you visited the council. If in the remotest chance you haven't, then you would have done so after six weeks of being homeless. It may come as a surprise to councils, but forcing an individual to ask multiple times as part of their personal housing plan does not guarantee a change in the answer. It doesn't mean their family and friends are suddenly going to decide that they're able to put them up. A bit like being asked to look for private rented options won't change the fact that local housing allowance rates don't meet rents or that the majority of the landlords won't take those claiming benefits. As I said, I don't think people are being given the tools to help themselves out of their situation anymore. Most importantly, when the Homelessness Reduction Act was first proposed to government, there was a requirement for councils to accommodate those who had no safe place to stay. As it passed through the House of Commons and the House of Lords, that addition was dropped, which was a shame as it would have meant some protection from rough sleeping for those who have no other options. That said, I do think the Homelessness Reduction Act holds out some hope for the future, and I agree with the statement in Crisis's report by an independent informant. This legislation and the framework will outlive the current problems of the housing market and welfare reforms. The government has to roll back some of the changes to welfare reform. The government has to amend universal credit and take out the worst excesses within it. The government has to make decisions to go back to building affordable social rented housing. As those fundamental building blocks of the housing market change, then that will be better for the effectiveness of the Homeless Reduction Act. Even if it's not as successful in its first year, two years, three years, it's still the right framework. And any impact of its not being as successful as it could be will not be the fault of the legislation. So let's look at other policies the government has announced recently around housing and homelessness. In November 2017, the government set up a new National Rough Sleeping Task Force made up of cross-departmental governmental staff. By February 2018, during the cold snap dubbed the Beast from the East, this rough sleeping task force had not formed a single meeting to discuss and look at the issue of rough sleeping. In August, the BBC covered the government's plans to address rough sleeping with £100 million, claiming it aims to help people to turn their lives around with support for mental health and substance misuse. Housing Secretary James Brockenshire said he would make homelessness a thing of the past. The Conservatives have stated they would end rough sleeping by 2027 and halve it by 2022. I suppose if the Conservative government continued to contribute towards massively increasing the problem due to changing the benefit structure and continuing the shortage of available housing, then when homelessness goes back to levels seen before the Tory government, they can claim that they've halved it. The announcement in August was mainly an announcement of things that were already in place or that had already been suggested. 
It was widely criticised, with Labour pointing out that it provides no new money, but there is a reprioritisation of £50 million of funding from existing budgets for move-on accommodation for those living outside of London. An advisory group of charities, Thames Reach, Shelter, Crisis, St Mungo's and Homeless Link, responded to this policy, stating... This legislation and the framework will outlive the current problems of the housing market and welfare reforms. The government has to roll back some of the changes to welfare reform. The government has to amend universal credit and take out the worst excesses within it. The government has to make decisions to go back to building affordable social rented housing. As those fundamental building blocks of the housing market change, then that will be better for the effectiveness of the Homeless Reduction Act. Even if it's not as successful in its first year, two years, three years, it's still the right framework. And any impact of its not being as successful as it could be will not be the fault of the legislation. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. For the strategy to work, the government must also set out bold, cross-departmental plans to tackle the root causes of all forms of homelessness and prevent it from happening in the first place. This must include plans to build significantly more social housing, to foster greater security for renters, to ensure people have access to benefits and other support they need to help them keep their homes. We also need to see a reversal of policies that leave migrants homeless and destitute and healthcare and mental health and substance misuse services that are available and truly accessible to those who need them. This new rough sleeping strategy does not suggest an increase to the local housing allowance rates. Any new funding for building social housing, a pause or review of the impact of universal credit, or changes to include a requirement for councils to provide a safe place for someone to stay. In mid-September, Theresa May spoke at the National Housing Federation Conference and stated housing associations will be handed £2 billion to help them build new homes. The Independent reported on her speech... However, as reported by The Independent and BBC, councils will need to bid for this, so it doesn't start until 2022. I won't be surprised if this is after the next general election, and I've heard suggestions that this actually isn't a new announcement of new money, 
a recommitment to build housing that occurs every four years anyway and that doesn't meet the number of new properties needed. In late September, covered by the BBC News, Theresa May stated that a new tax will be implemented on foreign buyers of property in the UK to help build services for rough sleepers. However, it's unclear when these new rates will be introduced. You may have heard of an idea called Housing First that originated out of Finland. The idea behind Housing First is that a person who is homeless and has complex mental health or substance misuse issues is accommodated permanently first and then their support needs are addressed. Homeless Link analysed the work of nine Housing First services in 2015. Five in London, two on the South Coast and one in the Midlands and one in the North East. The average client spent 14 years homeless. And by engaging with Housing First and being accommodated, the report found improvements in mental health and physical health, reductions in substance misuse and alcohol use, and a fall in antisocial behaviour. Homeless Link's report also found that there was a £15,000 per person saving per annum, assuming the person who otherwise would have been without Housing First would be accommodated in expensive supported housing and still be frequently coming into contact with the health and criminal justice system. In conclusion, Housing First works well to get entrenched rough sleepers off the streets and settled. New changes are due to come into effect that affect private landlords and estate agents with the aims of making it easier for people to access the rental market and reduce the costs associated with renting. As reported by the consumer watchdog Witch, more landlords will now have to apply to their local council for licences. This is because the definition of a house of multiple occupancy has changed and will now include more properties where five or more people from two households live. This sounds like it wouldn't affect that many properties, but if the property is divided into rooms and couples are occupying those rooms, you can see why it might affect a number of rental properties. Some councils are even requiring landlords who aren't considered to be a house of multiple occupancy to apply for a licence which may mean that the council will carry out a property check. Also covered by which are the government's proposed changes to ban letting agent fees and a rogue landlord and estate agent database is now live, but falls short of expectations as only in London can it be checked by potential tenants. Elsewhere in the country, only local councils can use or access it. The Guardian covered the government's proposals to cap the deposit needed for a property to six weeks' rent. These changes won't likely take effect until 2019, but are also likely not to be that helpful to people struggling to afford accommodation in the more expensive parts of the UK. The homelessness charity Shelter campaigned for government policy changes. They'd like to see improved access to tenancy sustainment services to ensure that vulnerable people have access to support and to help them sustain their tenancies. They also want to see reform to housing benefit, making it easier to access for those who need it. Recently, Shelter and the National Housing Federation have started campaigning against discrimination faced by those who are claiming benefits. They're looking to take this issue to the courts, stating that this is indirect discrimination as landlords and estate agents' policies of not taking those claiming benefits disproportionately affects vulnerable or protected groups. Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn stated in an article in The Independent that Labour would likely scrap the Section 21 no-fault eviction notice In Scotland, this is already the case, as covered by Panorama, evicted for no reason. Of course, the housing market varies across the UK. Labour thinks no-fault evictions should stop everywhere. The government disagrees. 
It says it's increased protection for tenants and will reduce barriers that block landlords offering longer tenancies. Scotland's renters now get tenancies for life. In you come. This is us just in here. Here you come to the lounge. Stuart Brown is looking for a new flat to rent in Aberdeen. You've got your bike goods here. Yeah. Freezer. Separate fridge. He's moving in with his girlfriend. Taking a video because obviously my girlfriend couldn't make it today. The law changed two months ago. If they move in, the landlord will not be able to kick them out without good reason. If we do take it, it's a nice thought that it could just be right, it could work out for well for us and just stay here for the foreseeable future, and make a home out of it, and fill it with all our own belongings and know that we're not going to be taken out at short notice. are calls for the right to buy council homes to be ended. The Chartered Institute for Housing has called for the right to buy to stop, with their research published on the website Public Finance, which found that since 2012, 69,467 homes have been sold, but that construction work has only started on 18,958 replacement homes. It really doesn't make sense to continue to sell council homes at a discount when it is recognised that as a country, we're stuck in a housing crisis. On a more local level, mayors like Andy Burnham are trying to address homelessness within their cities. While this work is appreciated and brings attention to the issue as mentioned in Crisis's report, unfortunately, mayors of cities are not equipped with the right resources and powers to bring about significant and lasting change. They can't change national housing policy or benefit policies, but their area remains subject to those policies. Small independent groups and charities set up by individuals can make an impact locally. In Bristol, Jasper Thompson is converting shipping containers into accommodation for the homeless. And in Ipswich, Gareth Breenland and his family have joined a number of individuals across the country who've converted a bus into a night shelter. Personally, I'd like to see the following changes. I'd like to see unclaimed deposits left by private tenants in rent deposit schemes to be used to fund accommodation for the homeless. This could work like an opt-in scheme where when moving into a property, a person opts in that if they don't claim their deposit back after two years, it's donated to help fund a deposit for someone who's homeless. In November 2016, the BBC reported that there were millions of pounds worth of unclaimed deposits from tenants in Scotland. Empty private properties should be put to use by local councils, who should put more pressure on central government to give them the powers needed to support this change. Empty commercial properties should be used as pop-up night shelters or sit-up schemes by the council. These schemes would need to be staffed, but it would ensure that people who have nowhere safe to stay have somewhere to stay. Across the country, it's estimated that 10% of commercial property is empty, so we still have plenty of empty commercial units that could be put to use. For individuals that are homeless, even if as the general public we might not be able to house them, there are a few things that can be done to make their lives easier. Frequently, those who are homeless, who I've spoken to, state they feel alone in their situation and feel ignored by passers-by. 
even if someone doesn't have a solution to their problem or money or food to give them, then just having a conversation with them or acknowledging them makes them feel less invisible. In society, those who are homeless need not to be attacked for being homeless. We hear stories in the media of people having their belongings set on fire or people deliberately soaking them. This needs to stop and there needs to be a rise in compassion for others. Councils need to stop fining people for begging or being homeless. It's draconian and makes no sense. They also need to stop throwing away belongings of those who are homeless. I'd support any petition at a national level for these two things to stop. Again, we need to see a rise in compassion for others. Thanks for listening to the fourth episode of Our Subcity. If our podcast receives advertising support, we aim to donate any net income to charities with details published on our website. Please subscribe to our podcast and rate it on whichever platform you're listening on. If you have questions or you want to engage in the conversation, we can be found on social media at our subcity. Please subscribe and share our podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.